All right. Are y'all ready to close Ecclesiastes already? Uh, we have been in the sermon series of vanity and meaninglessness for weeks now, and, uh, and today we finally bring it to a close here. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and we're going to dive right in because uh, I'm going to cover the whole chapter, and so uh, I'm not going to start with the fun story. We're just we're going to get into it. Uh, let me pray for us, and, uh, and we'll start. Father... Um, I mean, we're about to read your word, and I know oftentimes, just even for me, the temptation is to get through the scripture, that way we can get to what we have to say about it, but God, may we remember, man, that this is your holy word. This is not something to rush through. This is the, this is the substance of what we gather around this morning, the inspired word of God that you have written these things down in pages long ago for us to now open and encounter the spirit of the living God. These are the words we read this morning. So God, we do not rush. We do not move on, but we pause as we encounter you through these spirit-filled, spirit-led pages in this book we call the Bible, God. And so honor this time as we, um, as we meditate upon these things. May it bring you glory. And may it bring to us, God, belief in you. Belief in you. We offer these things in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen, church? Chapter 12, verse 1. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come. So, remember God in your youth. Um, what is different about your youth than your now? Uh, and if you're asking the question, am I a youth? If you have to ask, then you're probably not. Uh, all right, uh, but if you're like, no, I, I know I'm in that, then you probably are. But if you're like, am I? Uh, then you know that's, that's not you. So what was different about then uh, that is different about now, and why would the Bible be encouraging you to remember those days? Well, let me paint you a picture of the difference between my first job in ministry 15 years ago is when I entered into full-time ministry. I was a worship director at a big church in Houston, and so I played this big grand piano for a few thousand people, and, I, and it was great, right? I loved it. I had, I'd just sit in my office many nights, and I would just listen to worship music. Maybe what was coming out, it would just wash over me. And, uh, and oftentimes, I would just wait till everyone left the church, where all the staff left the church. There was no one in all the offices. I'd go into our giant sanctuary, and I would just sit there by myself at the piano and just play my heart out to the Lord. Sometimes just in the dark, like no lights on. And I would just, I, would, I mean, I just, I'd stay there until sometime 10 or 11 p.m. I'd just, just play and play and play and pour my heart out before the Lord. Or many nights I'd just sit with my mentor uh, and, and, and we would just talk through the matters of Scripture till, till 10 or even, I mean, it would get late sometimes. We would just sit there and, and, and ponder the things of God. And let me point, this, and, now, and now I just, just this last week in ministry for me. Right? Compare that to, to just this last week for me. Uh, I'm, I'm at home, 
and, and now I wake up, but not to have like coffee in Jesus time, but because if I don't wake up, Sarah's going to murder me because she's already been up for about an hour with the toddler, just trying to get her fed, right? And I wake up, I come out, and she gives me that look of, you already got an hour more sleep than me, so I don't want to hear it this morning, right? And so, and so I, and I get out of bed, because if I don't also, my toddler will come in and jump on parts of me that hurt, and, and then I'm like, and I just creak to the, and I don't know what it is now about, you know, over 35, that, that a walk to the bathroom, I hear like, it's like I'm walking on bubble wrap. There's so many pops. I don't get it. I don't know what that's about, but now it's like, right, as I'm just going to the restroom, and, and then I, I finish that. Right, and, and now we're just trying to get all things ready, and I'm jocking to get out the door because I've got meetings now. It's a different kind of responsibility level at this point in my life, and uh, and Sarah has like this last week, man. It's like mom's groups kicked off. We have the like Bible study stuff. Uh, she uh, she had birthday parties, uh, a wedding sh- a wedding shower. She had to get to also her job. Right, she's working. So uh, so I had live a little bit more than usual this week as uh, um, as a dad, and uh, and so we're just trying to hang out. But I also had midterms this week. I had to preach this week, and so I'm like, okay, how can I knock out like nine birds with one stone? We're going to time and dough. I'm sitting her down. Okay, I got her all ready. I, you know, I bring out my Bible and, and, all my, and some of my schoolwork, some of my sermon stuff. I'm just trying to eke out like just a minute with the Lord, right? That, that what might he be able to wash over me before she finishes the cinnamon roll that I'm trying to cram down her mouth, right? That, that I might have something for you this morning, right? But then, Dad, I got to go potty. I, that's why I asked you before we left babe, and you said you didn't have to go, but what is it about just moving in the car to where you get to the most inconvenient space possible, then they have to potty. All right, great, let's go potty, right, we come back out. Well, did I, like, did I pack the right things? Of course not, why? Because I'm the dad, and I don't think about those things. Mom is off somewhere, right? And so, like, we're just trying, we're doing everything she can. Well, then the fork drops to the ground, and you would have thought it was the last fork in the restaurant. I don't know what that's about, but she just loses her mind, and I just finally, like, it's just, it, we're done. I'm like, okay, no, we just, we're going to close this up, like, we're going to go home, forget trying to eke out any time with the Lord over that, right? And, uh, uh, and, and then it's just, and even after that, it was like, okay, well, we got to pack this up anyways, because I had to take her to gymnastics, because, I mean, things just start early now. She's in swim, she's in gymnastics. She is four, right? And she's already got a schedule. And I'm like, what is going on? She also has preschool on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we're just working, getting her all stuff done. My parents are picking up half the time, trying to help out. And we only have one. Some of you were like, Matt, you only have one, right? You don't even know, bro, right? So many people tell me, and Liv is easy, right? Y'all all know it, right? None of you have sympathy for me because you've met Liv. She's a freaking angel, right? And so you're like, we're just waiting for you to have another kid so you know what it's like to be a parent, Matt. And... And so, like, we're just trying to work this all out, and Sarah works out this handoff that just gives me enough time on, like, was it Friday or Saturday, Jim, to meet me up here for me to eke out my midterm and take that before I run back home. And we're just, <sighs> right? It's different in your older age. And I'm not saying I'm old, easy. But it's different, right? The rhythm, and and that's, that was my week, but frankly, that's all of your lives. I am not unique in this room. That was all of your week this week. How are we going to do this? And I read this verse at this point in my life, and it says, remember, these, remember your creator in the days of your, before the days of trouble come. And I'm like, days of trouble, amen. <laughs> right? In my youth, there was a different kind of devotion to the Lord that I was capable of, which is why the Bible will say, man, it's better for you not to marry if you can, to devote yourself to the Lord. Before you are tried in the crucible of toddlers. You know what I mean? 
The Bible in Isaiah would say, you're refined in the fire of affliction. I believe he had a very certain age in mind for what he meant by that. And here's the deal. I wouldn't change any of it, by the way. You're like, you know, what's the, does that mean we shouldn't, you know, I resent marriage? Absolutely not, right? I love it. It's another kind of calling, right? God will call us into those times and, and committing yourself to that calling of a family, of a marriage is a holy thing. That's a great thing. But, but what the Bible is going to say is there's something different about, about a divided devotion. That's just going to be tough. It's going to be a different kind of relationship and devotion and rhythm that you have with the Lord. Can I get an amen out of anybody, right, about, about that season in, in trying time of, of your life? I mean, am I the only one in here that just experiences the tension of how the heck do I balance all of this stuff in life, all these things, and still have a deep devotion and rhythm and relationship with God where I'm still able to be still enough for my heart to just break before him for just, for just a minute. I feel like the only time that really comes for me is like 11.30 at night if I'm sermon prepping and everyone's gone to bed and I finally have like that, that hour and a half of nothing else has happened. Nothing else has like just come in, hey, well, da, you know, and, and, which is all great. That's necessary, right? The, the rhythm of life means interruptions, but, but there's something about an uninterrupted devotion to the Lord, right? And so Solomon will say, as the guy that has seen it all and done it all and had a lot more wives than you, <laughs> right? He'll say, hold up. Man, remember God. Remember God before the days of trouble come. And you get all wrapped up in your family and your job and your life. He says, secure your devotion to your Creator, and this is what youth is for. Looking at you, teenagers, right? Yeah, I know. I'm going to look right there at that one line. I'm still thinking for y'all to sit together. I don't like to look in like one place, you know? Right? This is what youth is for, to secure this kind of devotion. And because and, uh, and and, this is when it is spiritually the easiest, uh, to, in, in, when your time is easy. And, and there will be other seasons of your life where you will grow spiritually. This is just practically the easiest time that you will have to devote yourself to these things. And young people in the room, man, some of my deepest spiritual moments come from that age, the age you're in right now. Some of my deepest memories, or just maybe just beyond it in my mid-20s, of, of, that, of that time of just sitting at the piano and, and just breaking out a song, frankly, like we just sang, the oldie but goodie, right? Uh, it was songs like that that I would just sing and pour, pour my heart out to. And, and those are the things that I go back to even now to remember God's faithfulness in my life. Those are the moments I look back to and remember His goodness, and even marvel, frankly, at my own devotion to him in that time. Like, I love that those just so sweet of a time spiritual that I had with God. And so I'd encourage you, young folk in the room, do not think to yourself, oh, once I'm married and settled down, I'll actually start to dive into the word and have my relationship with the Lord. Right? Because you'll end up, you'll hit 40, and you'll wonder, why am I not spiritual? Why are these things a rhythm in my life? Because, um, how would I say, it? deep spirituality doesn't come because you decide it. It, it. it comes because you practice it. Deep spirituality doesn't come because one day you wake up, you're like, okay, now is time, all right, I'm 35, I got two kids, all right, now I'm going to choose to be spiritual. Spirituality and deep rhythms in your life come because it's something you've practiced over the years. And so this is something that we want to commit to now, and, and, and I'll say that's what, that's what Solomon is begging out of us. Ecclesiastes will tell you the earlier you start 
the better. I mean, right, adults? I mean, you, all, you know this. Those who are adults, that's why they're always telling, don't do this and don't do this. It's because they've done those things and they know now, right? Which is probably going to be your story too. You'll figure out the hard way. I mean, is there anyone in here, is there anyone in here that, that in their past, you have a moment of some time with the Lord in your youth that to this day is still a source of life and satisfaction? Is there anyone here that has that? Five of y'all? That's, that's crazy. All right. Was there more of y'all that had that? Okay, anyhow. Like, man, this is a Baptist church. All right, can you relax with the rail and the hand on it? Conversely, is there anyone in here that had some moment in their youth of sexual conquest that to this day is a source of life and satisfaction? Nobody. Not to say you didn't have that moment, is that now it does not breathe you any life or any satisfaction or any hope. It doesn't bring back memories of great joy. Right, you had that goal, my, oh, I'm going to get with that girl, I'm going to do that thing, I'm going to rise to that thing, I'm going to get that page, I'm going to get that position, I'm going to get in that club, I'm going to get that girl, right? And no, none of those are sources of satisfaction for you. In fact, when you look back now in the quietness of your life, those are not sources of joy, those are sources of deep regret. In deep moments where you wonder, what was I even about at that time? The things that are going to bring you life later in life are the spiritual practices and commitments you make to the Lord now. It's just, there is no one in this room that, and the, and the more gray hair you have, the only more true, you, the, the longer you've had to experience that reality, right? In your youth, you will make the memories that feed your mind in those brief, quiet times in the darkness you have as an adult. Or maybe you're driving to work early in the morning and you just don't have the radio on for whatever reason and your mind just starts to wander. These are the things your mind will wander to. They will. They'll meander back to just these moments of either deep spiritual reality or, or maybe it'll be some, some moments of regret. And, and God will work in those times. I mean, God has delivered all of us from the clutches of the enemy and had grace on our lives. But my prayer for you is that you drink, drink, drink deeply from the word. Invest in friends that center you on the foundation of Jesus and recall with great joy the pursuit of his will and his grace on your life. One of the most impactful things Hitler did was create Hitler Youth. This is how it created a generation of people that, that, just they, that they had that ingrained in their mind of that wicked regime as he got to the youth. He got to them while they were young. And then when they were old, it was harder for them to depart from that. And it created a, it created a, a monster of, of a nation for a season. What you commit your mind to in your youth matters. It matters. Why? Well, he picks it up. That was verse one. Are we good? Are we good? I got 13 more to go. Are y'all all right? <laughs> Lord have mercy, Ecclesiastes. All right, verse two. Why is this important? And, he, and, his, and we're going to figure out right now. Before, he says, do all of these things. Remember the, 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 uh, remember the faithfulness of the Lord, of your creator in your youth. Uh, before the times of trouble, why? Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. He says, things are going to fade. Verse 3, when the keepers of the house tremble. What was he talking about? What happens when you get old, right? A little bit of trembling. You know, my gra- I'm not looking, I'm sorry, Paolo, I'm not like, I'm not like trying to like focus on you, bro. He's like, why are you looking at me? Um, <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm just saying, it's, it's the Bible, Paolo, all right? 
Why would you tremble, right? We need all the house, right? The keepers of the house tremble. Strong men stoop, right? Right, that starts to happen. Which is, Lord knows what it's going to look like for our generation. Because right now, even in their youth, this is what it's like. Right? Man, when y'all get old, it's gonna be, we're going to have all kinds of AARP issues. It's going to be nuts. All right. Your posture will stoop. When the grinders cease because they are few, what's that? You ain't got, got no grinders left. Your teeth are going to go. And those looking through the windows grow dim. What are the windows to the soul? They're going to go dim, y'all. Right? I mean, some of you, you'll, you'll look back at an old maybe Bible that you had and all the notes you wrote, and you're like, I can't even read it. I don't even, what's going on? I'm not there yet, but I know it's coming. Verse 4, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, right? The, the sound of grinding, right? That would have been your work, that what you're going to, the, sound, the, the, the mill isn't going anymore because you're not working anymore. When the people rise up at the sound of birds, what's that mean? Okay, right, older, see, younger people, you don't get this in the room. Because this even happened to me last night. Sarah was like, God, oh, can you believe that Liv woke up in the middle of the night last night? She got up and she went, you know, she was just, she, she was crying out and like, babe, I didn't hear a thing. Like, God bless you. She woke up in the middle of the night and she literally, that was just last night. She said, did you hear that? I'm like, nope, I slept like a, like a right? But oh, is, this is saying older people in the room, you're going to hear a bird outside and you're like, what is that? Because you won't be able to sleep well. You'll wake up to anything, right? Because that's, that's what happens in our old age. You just you can't sleep as well. You just, you just wake up. But their songs will grow faint. Why do they grow faint? Because you can't hear. Older people in the room, I want you to stay here. I, this isn't like, like, please invest in what we're talking about. <laughs> this, is a, this is just a reality, right, of our life, right? When people are afraid of heights and dangers in the streets, right, because because what happens as you age, you get more in touch with your mortality. You understand that you are not, right, immortal, that, that, that things can happen when you jump off of ridges, right? You're like, oh, look at the boat, right? like in your youth, right? Like sometimes I'll watch our youth group and Lord, help me. I'm like, do we have the insurance for this, Kenton? Um, right, because they'll do things that are nuts, right? They're bananas. Why? Because they don't think they're going to die, Right? Because they're, they're invincible. They do stuff. Man, I see you guys do things on skateboards that I'm like, what? You do know there is a large high bar in between your legs, right? Like right now, you're just balancing it on this thing. And I can't get it. I can't understand. It. I can't get behind that. Why? Because they haven't lived the life of, of experiencing what it's like to be mortal. And when the almond tree blossoms, an almond blossom, you know what the color that is? White right? When the white starts to settle in and your hair blossoms like an almond tree, right? When, it, it, oh, if it were so poetic, you know? If you're lucky enough to have blossoms by that time, you know? And the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. Let's talk a long time about that one. Um, just kidding. This is from the author who wrote Song of Solomon, by the way. Uh, so what's he talking about? He's like, your sex drive's going to go. So you're not going to have that drive anymore. And people go to their eternal home, and mourners go about the streets. 
He said, you need to remember all this stuff. Why? Because, man, at some point you're just going to die. It's all going to fade, right? You want to make your life about, oh, I want to pursue these things. I want to eat really well and do all these things. He's like, man, your teeth are going to fall out, right? Well, I'm going to make it about my looks and all this stuff. Well, your hair's going to turn gray, right? Well, I'm going to make it about, about all these other things. What about like my, my sexual conquest and how I do that? He said, man, at some point in your life, that's going to fade too. All these things you want to make your life about, they're all going to fade. And so again, in verse 6, he reiterates, remember him. Remember him. In case you forgot what we're talking about, remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. He says, man, it's going to break down. It's going to break down and it's going to die. Remember him. The dust returns to the ground from which it came. But then, man, there's this little, it's like he opens up a little window here in verse 7. He says, and the Spirit returns to the God who gave it. He says, this is your destiny. That's what we look to. I mean, if you want to make your life about the blip that happens before that, it's going to be in verse 8. Meaningless, says the teacher. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. If you're living for all that stuff, I mean, if you're going to make your life about the things where it's all just fading out and going away, I'd, I'd put it like this. It'd be like, say, say for, for my midterm, right, and I have like all these questions I'm studying. It'd be like, say, say it was a hundred question test, but I study the one question. Oh, I'm just going to do that one. I'm going I'm to nail that one question. He said, that's kind of what it's like for you to focus on this life. Because there's 99 to come after this. You've got a whole eternity of things that matter, that are important, and, and there's, there's not a, you're not going to pass off of one question, off this one blip, this one percent of, of whatever life is, and he says, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it if you do not focus on the eternal. He says, here's the hope. This is the point. You will return to the Lord, and this life will fade so quick, but then you will have a fresh breath blow throughout it. And so he says, focus on this pursuit that ends in the presence of the Lord. That doesn't end in the falling out of teeth. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, our older people have the best teeth because they just get new ones in. It's like awesome. I'm like, I want your teeth, man. Right? Meaningless. True happiness comes from the identification that there is true pursuit that lasts beyond the grave. That's true happiness. I mean, otherwise, you're just, you're renting it here by pursuing all the other stuff. And then eventually you'll get old and it won't matter. You won't be able to even appreciate it. And you'll turn around and be like, man, what happened? What happened was you forgot the God of your youth. So Solomon will say, man, remember. Remember. And he'll even, and he'll say, remember these words. And I love how he even puts it down. We're going to skip down just a little bit. The words, uh, he'll say this in verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. What's a goad? A weird word for one, but a goad is the thing that the shepherd would use to kind of poke, you'd have a sharp end, 
right? And he would poke the, poke the sheep along. Say, the sheep got to a gate. He didn't want to go through. He's like, I don't want to go through that. This doesn't look like something I want to do. And the shepherd would go like, yeah, right? And he'd poke him right in the rear. And that sheep would, he'd go right in, right? It was a thing to move them along, to move them along. And so this is what these words are like. When something in life seems scary, when something doesn't make sense, we have the word to give us courage. We have the word to propel us. We have these words fixed like nails to move us through into real life, into what's good for us, into security, into a gate wrapped around, into fertile ground, sometimes into the very nourishment that'll save us, sometimes away from danger. This is the word, like a goad, prodding you, sometimes a little painful to get you to remember, to get you to realize this isn't what God has called me to. I shouldn't be alone right here in this room right here like this. I shouldn't be clicking on that. This is a goad sinking into you so that you remember your creator. And these words are words fixed like nails given by a shepherd, something that you can secure yourself in. These are the words of God. He'll say, and, and, and he's actually talking about all the scriptures. He's talking about things like the Pentateuch, the, the issues and the law of God and all of these amazing things that God has written for us. He's saying these things are like goads. These are things to guide you along, not so that you miss out on life, so that because you don't get to the end of your life and look back seeing that you did miss out. Because the lie today is, man, you get what you want, you find what you want, you, you arrive, you get there, man, you figure out what you need, and, and then you'll get there and you'll be happy. <laughs> but by show of hands, anyone who just pursued everything you wanted and got it, did that provide any kind of enjoyment or satisfaction for you by the end of your life? Absolutely not. You getting, in fact, I'll say this, sometimes the most, we'll pray, we'll pray, right, and, and God may not fulfill that thing for us. Right? And we'll kind of go to war with God on that a little bit of like, I mean, God, why didn't you do that? Why didn't, why didn't you provide that thing for me? Sometimes I think the far more terrifying thing is God giving us what we pray for sometimes. Like, God, I want this. I need this. I want to get that girl. And somebody's like, all right, have fun with that. And then we'll learn the hard way of what it's like to not desire the actual, the real things of God, the glory of God. And so he'll call us to remember and in Ecclesiastes, we'll see this, that he'll kind of take us down this dark path, right? Meaningless, meaningless, vanity, vanity. You're like, good night, man. And he'll take us down this so that you just finally, you get to that dark place so that you see there is really only one light. And that's where he kind of just, just points it in there right now. This is the thing. This is what you need to see. This is the hope. That you'll get to the end of yourself in hopes that you might see him, the Lord Jesus and these are the words, like goads, that can firmly embed in us like nails. Revelation will say this in chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. He'll say, yet I hold this against you. This is Jesus talking to the church of, uh, of Ephesus. And he'll say, that you have forsaken the love you had first. Consider how far you have fallen Repent and do the things you did at first. This man, church, you used, to, used to love me, used to walk with me, used to run after me. You'd pursue me as I pursued you and brought you up out of the pit. Man, we walked together, right? It's like the call they had to Adam. Man, bro, we used to walk in the garden together. This wasn't a thing where you hid from me in shame, but man, we were together. We were united in this. He says, man, come back to that, repent of this. this. This life of hiding isn't what I want for you. Man, come back to the first love of me and you in relationship in the garden that this is what God wants for you. So he's saying, remember this. I think two nights ago, in the midst of this busy week that we were having, Sarah and I 
we're remembering a vacation we went. We're just talking about like, man, uh, remember when we used to, y'all have those talks, Mary Fault? Remember when we used to, and, she, and, she, and she, it was this, just like, remember when you used to do this for me? And she wasn't doing it to be hard on me. It was like, a, it was like man, our dates used to be awesome, right? And she, we were just recalling just, you know, maybe five years ago. She's like, remember, uh, we went to that place out there, right? And, and it was, uh, right, like, I, I prepared like a scavenger hunt for her, like when she got home. It was all this stuff, and it resulted in pack your bags, because we're going out for the weekend. She had no idea, and it was awesome, right? She's finding all these little clues that ended finally with us in the hill country at some place that had like for, for a weekend where we had a spa schedule, and it was awesome, right? It was so great. And now we kind of look at our lives, and it's like, now life is like moving a pile of laundry from the from the chair in the living room to the bed because someone's coming over. You track with me. I know you do it. I know you do it. Right? And then you move it back from the bed because now you got to sleep that night. So then you take it right back out to the chair. Right? It's too real, right? It's too real. Right? So then you move it from that chair and then you move it back to the bed and then back to the chair. And then all it really becomes is a game of laundry chicken. Like who's going to fold this first? You know, you're just like, I bet they'll get so annoyed with it that finally they just fold their sweater. Like, they just won't be able to take it anymore. And this is like our life now. Like, this is really, like, almost a, like the, the best way that now, now, like, doing the spa weekend, like, the equivalent of that now is basically me just folding the laundry. It's like, hey, right, amen, wives. Right, that's like, that is it. He has arrived, you know, and I feel like that's life. But it used to be, man, we could, like, our first date was IHOP, but we loved it. Right? We made the most of it. And we did it out May 2001. That was, oh, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. That uh, we went on our first date, right? But it felt like the four seasons to us. And so it's important now for us to go back and remember days like that. Which is why I'm leaving y'all to go to Hawaii in about two weeks. <laughs> That's a true story. Y'all won't see me for half of October. And ask me if I feel bad about it. I don't. Peace. All right? <laughs> We, we are out. Uh, we need a weekend off. But some of you, though, this is where you're at with God right now. You've lost some of the marvel of Him. You've lost some of the wonder of what it was like to, to be chased by Him, to chase Him, to walk after Him, to sit in the sweetness with Him. I mean, to open up your Bible and just have your tears wet the pages. Man, for some of you, this whole God thing has just gotten tired and dull. Man, you feel that? And for some of us, just this, this pace of everything that goes on in life right now, it just, it dulls on us and it just wears us down at some point in our lives and it just gets stale for some of us and maybe that's you in this room perhaps if you were honest with yourself you'd see that the pursuit has maybe just stopped altogether and you may meander in here on Sundays and you're crossing off some kind of social construct checkbox or something but honestly your affections for Christ have not stirred in a long time And I'd say, friends, um, it's time to remember. It is time to remember the sweetness of walking with the Lord. It is time to look back on those times where God has been faithful. Time to look forward and know that God wants good things for you. 
times where you were so moved by a God that accepts you and chooses you that you could hardly open your eyes. I mean, what do you want? (laughs) And where is your wonder? Perhaps a better question for you is, do you feel like you ever had it? And maybe that's where you're at this morning. You're like, Matt, I don't know what to remember because it was never a rhythm or pattern in my life. I'm sitting here this morning and I'm just trying to wonder, where's God in my life now? Maybe that's you this morning. Man, maybe you're just begging God for something more, for something different, just a more intimate relationship with Him. Can I tell you what Ecclesiastes is going to tell you? The best place to find that is these words of the scriptures that are fixed like nails for you, right? Because we can come to the Bible and we can read a story like Abraham and God's like, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham's like, no, you're not. Because even if you do, I won't have a child to pass it on to. I'm childless, God. You talk about all this blessing, but what am I going to do? And God says, he walks him outside. He says, Abraham, look at the stars. And he says, that's going to be like your descendants, Abraham. We can read a story like that and remember that God keeps his promises. We can read a story like Joseph, whose own family takes him and sells him to slavers. But then he rises up and becomes the vice regent to all of Egypt and then becomes the person who saves the family that sold him into slavery from famine and takes the Hebrew people out of, out of where they were, out of, the, out of Canaan, and brings them into to Egypt to provide for them. And remember, man, God has your back. We can remember, read someone like Moses who from an infant, from an infant, almost died after being delivered to being the very deliverer of his people. And that we can remember that God has a desire to deliver you, and that God has freed you. We can remember the Israelites who doubt God at the Red Sea, right? They complain in the wilderness. They worship a cow at the mountain. And God will not abandon his covenant with them, but rather he will part a sea. He will rain down manna from heaven and that he will take them to a land of promise. And you can read these words fixed like nails and remember that God is faithful. You can remember Gideon and have, a, and have this man who basically offered God just this shred of obedience, hardly believed in him and said, all right, God, but you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. And God used that. God took this little tiny faith that Gideon had and delivered the oppression of Israel from it. And you can remember that God can use any amount of faith that you can give him. That you don't need to have it all figured out, but just that little step that you take towards him, man, God can honor that. And so when you feel like you disbelieve, when you feel like you don't get it, when you feel like that you're missing it, you can remember that God is with you. You can look at someone like, a- like David, Blinded by his own adultery and sin, be given an opportunity to remember his own first love of his creator. Lost in his sin, wondering, what's this going to look like for me and my kingdom? But he is forgiven by God, and you'll remember that God desires your heart. And the things that you may feel like identifying in your past don't. But it's the desire for you with the Lord that he seeks. You'll see these three young men who did not cave when they were told to bow down to the current culture's idols. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you will see that God will take that king who tried to get them to do that, who thinks he's God, and show him the God who is king of kings. 
And you'll remember, man, when it's hard, God is with you. And you don't have to cave on the things of culture. You'll read someone like Job, who had everything ripped from his life and claim at the end of it, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And you can remember that God is sovereign. You can read a story in Ezra where the people of God forgot what it was like to worship. They were away from the temple for a full generation to where none of them even had the law anymore. They didn't even have their Torah. They didn't have any of it. They were finally brought back to the land. And they found the word and the priest sat and read it. And for the first time in over 70 years, they had a worship service as the people of God. And they wept as they remembered their heritage in Yahweh, in God. You can read a story like that and remember the gift that we have in this word, in the scriptures. You can read someone like Hosea who God calls to pursue the prostitute, pursue the prostitute, even though she keeps cheating on him, he keeps pursuing her, he keeps pursuing. You can remember that you can cheat on God and he will still chase after you. And that he will still seek you and not just seek you, but he will still desire you even though your desire is far from him. You can read someone like Jonah who had this calling on his life, who walked so far from it, but God brought him back. And when he brought him back, it wasn't some little gypped up version, B team, C team version of God's plan for him. It was still plan A, that you can walk far from him, but still God has a calling on your life. You can read these words like goads, fixed in nails, and know and experience his goodness in your life. You can read about a man who fed thousands with a couple fish and loaves who calms a storm, casts out demons, walks on water, he commands the earth, yet comes to this little, comes to this little girl and is like, hey, little, like, little girl, it's like a term of endearment, he says, sweetie, little one, arise, you are not dead, you have life to live. I mean, you get that, I mean, that he commands the heavens and the hells and the earth, but he comes down to you and he says, hey, listen, you matter to me. I mean, that individual, that small, the guy who created all of it, bends down like this, that he has dominion over all these things, but cares that deeply for your heart, you will see him die a gruesome death, not because they caught him, but because he submitted himself to it for you. You can read these words, and you'll remember that God loves you, and you can read about a man named Paul, who through his missionary journeys, he was a Christian murderer who became a Christian maker. And you can see the impact of hearing these words and living them out in your life and that it is not a life lived that is boring or lame, but that committing ourselves to these scriptures produces something exciting, something full, something real something life-giving. And you'll remember that like Paul, even your heart can change. Even your heart can come to be softened before the Lord and follow God. Man, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> Frankly, maybe you don't either. <laughs> maybe it's just something you've always done. Maybe you want your kids to have a better influence. You started having kids, and you're like, they need some kind of morality check. Maybe you're here to appease your spouse. I mean, I don't, I don't know why you're here. But I do know this. God knows you. He's a student of you. 
Like even there, as you sit there in that chair, all the all of the tensions and turmoils in your heart, man, God is just, He's around all of that. That He gets that. And He is marvelous. And there is a wonder about this person of Jesus that I pray we do not lose. And there is no end to the discoveries to be made about Him. And no end of His love for you. So pursue Him. Chase after Him. Remember the Creator of your youth. Amen? Let's pray. Why don't you all stand up this morning as we close. This morning, God, um, over your people here, just pray a prayer of belief for them. God, I, I just, I wonder if we've come before you now and, and almost forgotten what it's like to pursue you. God, maybe for some of us, the best thing we could do in this room is just say, God, I desire you. Or Jesus, I need you. Or Jesus, I'm sorry. That I've, I've lost my marvel, I've lost my wonder, I've pursued other loves. God, bring us back to our first love. May we remember this grace that stoops down to, to resuscitate our dark hearts. That we might worship you. Man, believer in here this morning, strengthen yourself in the word. Unbeliever in here this morning, do the business. Do the business of of figuring out who this Jesus is, not some oppressor who desires perfection out of you, but pages and pages and stories and stories and books and books of a God who gave it all to chase after you. And that us like prostitutes have gone to cheat on him and him like a like an everlasting, ever-forgiving Father continuing to desire us and chase after us to offer us life. God, may we remember you here this morning. Give us the gift of faith in you as we worship you. I mean, good night. Jesus, this is you. This is why we gather. That your spirit would blow in through the caverns of our souls, God. Renew us, revive us. In the stillness of our hearts, God, stir our affections for you. In this name of Jesus, you only, Jesus, amen.